Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. Man. Wow, what a, what a kickoff today. If you weren't in the Christmas spirit when you came in, I, I think you are now. Anybody with me? Come on, somebody. I know I am. I know I am. Um, I, I was doing good until I had to go shopping yesterday, and then some of you took me out of the Christmas spirit. That's what I'm going to say about traffic and shopping. No, uh, I hope you guys are having a great morning. I, I can tell you this, Radiate, it's going to be a great day today. It's going to be a great day today. Come on. As we're in week three of best gift, the best gift ever. Um, you can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Luke chapter one. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. It's going to come on the screen. Um, but I know uh, we like to take notes here. And so uh, you can title it this, Favor Ain't Fair. Come on, somebody. Favor Ain't Fair, right? That's good English right there. All the teachers in the room cringed a little bit when I said ain't, but uh, we're in the South, so that's okay, right? Uh, just a couple of things as you're turning there. I want to just, man, our Radiate Kids ministry, did they not tear it up this morning? My goodness. I don't know if you saw uh, my little boy over here on the drum. He's learning drums, and uh, Pastor Chris has worked with him a little bit here and there, and uh, the rest is YouTube, and he's having a blast. He tripped me out during the fast part. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but he started doing this, and then he dropped his drumstick. I was so proud. Doug, where you at, Doug? Our drummer, Doug, for Radiate Worship over here. You'll love this. He dropped his drumstick, so while he's playing with his left hand, he gets on one knee, reaches down, grabs it, stands back up, starts playing again. I was like, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. Now, I want you to know something real quick. I know uh, if you've been a part of Radiator, if this is your first or second time with us, um, you know our, our experience times. But I want to tell you real quick why we have two experiences at Radiate Church. Can I tell you it's not because uh, we don't have room for you. Because I, can I tell you that we've packed over 500 chairs in one service before, in one experience here. We can make room in here by sliding some things back, shrinking some things, making room, uh, changing up our row configurations, things like that. You know why we have two experiences at Radiate Church? Because we can't fit all your kids in one. You know what I'm saying? And that's awesome. We need to uh, celebrate that because your kids are coming, learning about Jesus, and they're taking Jesus to the schools, man. I get an opportunity. I come to the schools for lunch or for different opportunities. I get a chance to sit and hear your kids pray before they eat lunch a lot of times at school. Come on. And so I want you to know we have two experiences at Radiate Church, not just because you guys are inviting your friends and family and, and so much stuff is happening in this part of the experience, but I just want you to know that also, dude, our kids' ministry is the bread and butter of what we do right here, and we have always dedicated that we will have the best kids' ministry around and that kids will not want to leave on Sundays and that every other day of the week they'll ask to go to church more than they ask to go to the store because we want them to have a great experience as they learn about Jesus and so I just think one more time and my lovely wife and all of her team and all that are doing such an amazing job back there we got so many team members I know we've clapped a lot today we just believe in honor and so can you just give it up for radiate kids one more time doing 
doing amazing, doing amazing. And then uh, you'll see these, and I'm going to hit this quick. You'll see these invites in your seats. If you don't have enough or you don't have any around you, they're on pub tables in the lobby area. This is invites to our Christmas at Radiate services next Sunday morning at 10 and 11.30. We have two experiences at a regular time. Uh, but we're going to pull out as many chairs as we possibly have, and we will go find some laying on the side of the road if we need to to get more in here because we're believing packed houses at both experiences for people that are going to experience Jesus's love for the first time in their life next Sunday morning. And then if you flip it over, it's Christmas Eve at Radiate Church. We have a very special 4 p.m. Christmas Eve communion service. It's, an ex it's a family experience right in here at 4 p.m. on next Monday, Christmas Eve. We're going to get you in. We're going to celebrate Jesus. And then we're going to let you go eat grandma's eggnog, uh, drink egg grandma's eggnog and eat all of her cake and all of her good food right after that. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I just want you to grab as many of these invites as you can, hand them out, give them out, because you know why you're here today? Somebody invited you, and now you get to hear about Jesus. So let's extend the invite to somebody else, all right? How many of you guys are ready to go? You ready? Let's get this thing going. All right. Favor ain't fair. As you read the Christmas story, uh, there's so many uh, moving parts and elements to the Christmas story, but one of the main front and center uh, 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 participants or uh, uh, stars of the story is Mary, right? And, and so Mary is, is in the story, and we don't know, uh, or you're not privy sometimes in that, unless you go and learn how to study and, and look backwards and understand her genealogy and where she came from and what happened, but what happens is a lot of times we can just look and pick up from when Mary was a, a teenager and gave to be married to Joseph and an angel shows up and tells her that she's going to have a baby and we can just pick up from there and move on but there's something interesting that happens in the story with Mary and have you ever wondered I know I have have you ever wondered uh, some, somewhere in the story this question what made Mary so special why was Mary the one chosen of every woman on the earth right God is up in heaven and he goes I'm going to send my son Jesus He's going to come from the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to make him be born of flesh. The normal, the same way you and I were born, the Savior of the universe was born. Think about that for a second. That's insane, right? And so he's born, and, and somewhere along the line, God said, her, right there, Mary, I'm going to choose her to be the star of the story to give birth to the Savior of the universe. Have you ever thought about that? In verses 26 through 35, I want to read those today because we really look and we kind of get a glimpse at a few things in, uh, in Mary's life and why she was chosen. So let's read that together. Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 35 says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was... Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. Can you, if you write in your Bible, and, and I do, I highlight and I underline. Can you just highlight or underline favored one? Because that's a really important phrase in the entire Christmas story that's just two words that's easily overlooked. But he says to her, the angel says to her, um, uh, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement. And I'm going to be honest, as would I be. She was very perplexed. She was confused at the statement and kept pondering, what kind of salutation or greeting is this? 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Reading that, you've probably heard that in your home, or you've read that before around Christmas season, or around the Christmas time, or if you've grown up in church around this time, you probably have heard that section of scriptures. But I want to go back to something that that the angel says to her in the very beginning. He says, Greetings, what? favored one and, and and she's confused at the greeting because it's not a normal greeting but I'm going to be real honest and if we get down to the depth of our soul and to our thoughts I'm going to be real we probably all would be like why are you calling me favored because just after she calls it he calls her favored he begins to tell her that her life is about to get flipped completely upside down she's she's a virgin she's never had sex she's never done anything like that yet she's about to have baby she might have a baby. She's engaged to a man that's not even around her at the time, so it can't be his. And now she's got to explain to him that she's pregnant, but she hasn't cheated on him, and nothing bad has happened, and she's about to have a baby named Jesus that's going to be the Savior of the universe. Come on. I know sometimes we can feel like if we question anything about any part of a story of the Bible, it's unholy and we shouldn't do that. But I'm sorry, but that's weird. And it would, it would freak me out. It would make me so scared. And, it, and she was afraid, man. And, 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 but she was so favored. And we're going to look at the rest of the story in a minute. But she was favored. And, and I want to tell you something today about favor. And, and I'm going to zoom through several points. And then we're going to get to the meat of it. But the, the, the thing is, is like favor, I want you to understand something. She was favored not because of who she was, but because of how she had lived. Can I, can I tell you something? Favor from God is not about a situation. It's about a position. Come on. It's not, because here's the thing. You can have favor with God and be in the worst position, or, or, or not the worst position, but the worst situation you've ever been in in your life and still have God's favor on your life. Because the reality is, is that the situation does not dictate the favor. The position we place ourselves in spiritually puts us in the favor of God to where he favorably looks on us and says, I will choose you in spite of your situation because of the position you've allowed yourself to go in. I want, I, want to, I want to look at a scripture real quick as we get going. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It should pop up on the screen. But it says this, I love this, for the eyes of the Lord move to, I want you to hear this, move to and fro throughout the entire earth that he may strongly support, or you can use this word, favor those whose heart is what? Completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. In other words, he, they were writing in Second Chronicles there. They were writing this. You have not positioned yourself in a place of favor. Therefore, you will go, about, you will go through things that I never int- intended you to go through. You will always have wars because you have positioned yourself in a way to where your situation has dictated your faithfulness. 
Go and read the backstory. That's what happened. But Mary, throughout her entire life, had shown herself faithful. And, and I want you to hear something today. If you want to be favored by God, and I've never met anybody that never wants to be favored by God, you have got, we have got, we have got to learn to position ourselves in a way that we can hear from God in great ways. We've got to position ourselves through obedience by listening to the right voices. Can I tell you this? Sometimes we can listen to voices that have no good intention for your life. They only have good intention for their life, but not mine. It's all about getting from me, and then whenever I can't get it, give anymore, then I am cut off from their life, right? And listening to the right voices or submitting, because it says that he is looking throughout the earth to and fro to those whom he may highly support or favor, and it says this, because their heart is completely his, not partially not, 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 not a quarter, not a half, not three quarters, not nine tenths, completely his. There is no relationship that is higher than my relationship with him. There is no faithfulness that I'm more faithful to somebody else than I am him. I do not worship money more than I worship my God. I, I, nothing, I do not worship opinion. I do not worship social media. I do not worship anything else more than I worship my God because my heart is completely his. Second Chronicles tells us that he is looking everywhere throughout the earth for those who are completely his so that he can greatly, highly support them or favor them on on the earth and that's favor I just needed to break down what favor was and so I'm gonna give you because in, in verse 30 of Luke chapter 1 it says the angel said to her don't be afraid and here's what we can infer from that she was afraid anybody ever dealt with fear in any aspect of your life if you're if, if you haven't then I need to sit under you and learn from you a little bit right We've all been afraid, but there's four fears that she probably faced outwardly that we all face. And I'm going to hit these so fast. And so you got to write quickly or either go back in time uh, and watch this this week or listen to this this week and get it. But the first fear that she probably faced externally was this, the fear of criticism. All four of these fears are fears that we all face every single day. She probably faced fear of criticism. She, I just said it. She was about to be married to Joseph. Joseph was not even around her. In fact, it says that he was betrothed to her which means that if you go back and look at the custom he was actually out building a portion onto his house to accommodate having someone else live in his home with him as his wife he was away from her building a home for her and when he returns back to uh, Nazareth after he's ready for her she now is pregnant with a belly and he's like whoa hold up can't be mine she had the fear of criticism. Everybody was about to criticize her. In fact, by law, she could have been stoned to death for cheating on somebody in adultery in that day. Pulled out into the street, and it could have happened right there. But she was facing criticism. She was afraid of everything that was going to happen. He said, don't be afraid, because I'm going to be real. The fear of criticism is a rational fear and thought that she had in that moment. And sometimes in our lives, it's a rational fear and thought. But we have to understand that whenever it's God's favor on our lives, criticism doesn't matter. People will criticize what they don't understand. I'll put, I say it this way a lot of times in leadership circles. People won't withstand what they don't understand. 
I don't understand why you're being so radical about being faithful to church and serving at so early in the morning and, and early in the afternoon is when you go home and, and I'm, I've already eaten my, my lunch buffet and got home and taken a nap while I'm watching golf on the TV and you're just now rolling out of church because you got there at 7 o'clock this morning to set everything up. I don't understand that and people won't withstand what they don't understand so therefore they'll try to cut you off from what you're doing because they don't understand the radical obedience in your life. Because God's favoring you, not them. Come on, somebody. That's okay. Fear of criticism. Fear of uncertainty. What's going to happen to me next? Like the angel just came down and told me that I was going to bear a child. Does that mean that in the next 30 seconds I'm going to be nine months along and I've now got to go get the stretchy pants for motherhood and maternity? Right? The fear of uncertainty. What are people going to say? What's going to happen? How is this all going to play out? We've probably all been there. And if you haven't been there, you will at some point in your life as you choose to follow God. And then there's the fear of inadequacy. God, I'm not good enough for this. I'm just a, 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 a child. I'm just a teenager that's about to get married. I'm just about to get my life started. I'm not adequate enough to carry out the personal and the purpose of God in my life. I'm not adequate enough to give birth to a child. Think about it. She had never, and if you don't want your kids hearing this, we have an amazing kids ministry that you can check them in starting at 945 every single morning before the 10, 10 o'clock service. It's an amazing time. But she had never even had sex, and now she's about to have a baby she wasn't prepared and everything about her life she felt inadequate to carry out the will of God in her life we've been there right God I want you I remember when God put in my heart to start radiate church over seven years ago and I went God I ain't smart enough for all that and there's times in this journey, still today, six and a half years later, I have to take steps of faith and make calls, and there are literally decisions that I make, and at the end of the decision, I go, hey God, I really hope you can make that work. Because <laughs> I feel inadequate. That's just stepping out in faith and going, God, I'm trusting you. And then the fourth fear that she probably faced in the moment was the fear of change. We got any people that don't like change around here? Anybody? Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. I like change a little too much. I get, <laughs> if you've been around Radiate long, you know there's one constant, change. I, I, I like change. Like if my, uh, uh, my office looks the same for too long, I'll go and start just redecorating things. I can't take it. Right, I changed, I, y'all, I got tired of looking at my hair the same color for years. I sat down to get it cut, and I was like, diet blonde, let's go. She said, why? Because I'm tired of it being the same way all the time. Right? I like change, but there's the fear of change. Everything in her life was about to change. The wedding that she had always dreamed of is about to be gone. The approval from her parents and her husband, her soon-to-be husband and her friends and her family was about to be gone. There was so much fear, but I want to give you three ways through the story of Mary for the next 10 minutes, three ways to kick fear in the face this Christmas. Look, look at somebody, look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to kick fear in the face today. Come on. Some people are like, I've never said that statement, that sentence in my life. But we're going to kick fear in the face today. The first way that we kick fear in the face and that she did it is this. It's found in verse 38. In verse 38, there's something key that takes place, and it says this, And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here's the thing. The first thing that we have to do to kick fear in the face is we have to desire to do God's will. The fear may be rational, but we have to have a desire 
to do God's will. Now here's the thing about desire. Desire means that I will push through anything because I desire to get there. I desire to do that. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you desire to have kids or you desire to have a husband or a wife and, or you desire to have uh, a climb the corporate ladder or you desire, whatever you desire, when you desire it enough, nothing holds you back. She said this. This is amazing to me. She said, the bond slave of the Lord. In other words, I am connected. I am intertwined with the Lord. And in this moment, I'm saying to God, she says this, do to me according to your will. It's really reminiscent of a prayer or a statement that Jesus makes in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's arrested and crucified and he's taken uh, to the cross. He makes this statement to the Lord. He says, "It not my will, but yours be done. It's really reminiscent of his earthly mother, Mary, who says, but do to me according to your will. Can I tell you something? There is something freeing that takes place whenever we submit and we say, I desire to do your will, not mine. Because I just want to tell you something, and I'm telling you from experience, as a guy that's tried to make my will happen. I've tried to make business deals go through when they never should have gone through. I've tried to make relationships happen when they never should have been there in the first place, and they were hurtful to me and to them. I've tried to make things work in ways that I knew that they would work. But have you ever done something that you knew was going to be successful, and on the other side of it, it wasn't as successful as you thought it was going to be? And I've done that, and the only time that I've ever seen greater success in my life in anything that I've done is whenever I said, God, this is your will, not mine. I am the interim pastor of this church. I am the father I am the husband of this family but you are the God of this family and so you do to me according to your will you to lead me and guide me in that moment of fear she was facing so much fear confusion anxiety frustration like she didn't know what was going to happen but in the moment of fear she kicked it in the face by saying God this ain't my life this isn't about me this isn't about my will. This isn't about my dream wedding. This isn't about having three and a half kids and a white picket fence around a two-story house like I'd always planned. God, this is your will. This is your desire. This is your life. And you do to me what you would have me do. She had a desire in the moment, in the moment of fear, she had a desire to do God's will. No matter what. And that's the number one key that we have to get to, to kick fear in the face. Is we got to go, you know what? Because here's what often happens in fear. Fear makes us worry about things that aren't a reality yet. Fear makes us worry, makes a reality out of an assumption. You ever gotten a phone call from somebody or a voicemail or a text message and said, hey, I need to talk to you, Right? You get that text message and you got this anxiety that goes about you that goes, I don't know if I want to talk to them because what if they're mad at me? What if they're frustrated? What if they're going to yell at me? What if this and what if that and da 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 and blah blah blah? And we don't even know what they want to talk about. You call them and they just want to talk to you about how to make gingerbread men. And so in the moment of the conversation, you go, oh, huh. and leading up, you're all anxious. Your heart rate's out of rhythm. You got to grab the paper bag and go, you know, you're freaking out, all this stuff. And then when the phone calls over, you're like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought. Here's why. Because fear has convinced you that an assumption you had was a reality that they lived. Not my will, God. Because it's very freeing in that moment to look at somebody, to look at God and go, it's not about what I can make happen. It's about what you will make happen. And here's the thing that I gather from her 
in the moment of desiring to do God's will is she took, if you look in verses 46, 47, and 48, I love this. It says, and Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in my God, my Savior. Listen to this. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. Listen, it says, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit rejoiced in God. Can I tell you something? When you desire to do something, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. She didn't see it as an obligation. She saw it as an opportunity. The second way to kick fear in the face is this, and I'm going fast today, is you have to be, she was willing to pay to play. She was willing to pay to play. If you read the entire story as you go on and you see it, nothing would hold her back. She took the posture of doing whatever it took. Think about what she had to do. She had to go through ridicule from friends and family and community. She had to go to her fiancé and try to convince him that an angel told her she was carrying the Savior of the universe. She hadn't cheated on him. How many of you in the crowd would believe that story? Like, let's just be real about the story. She had to run from a king that wanted her kid dead. Right? She had to trudge across uh, deserts. She had to get to the very place, and we're talking about this a little bit next week, to the very place that she had already set up and knew that she was going to have the baby. It was time to have the baby. She gets to an end. Motel 6 didn't leave the light on for her. She gets there, and she had to have the baby in a stable with other animals. And the animals that were there had to use the bathroom, so it stunk. I'm trying to paint a very real picture of Christmas night because we say it was a silent night. You ever been around a newborn? They don't even know it's night, much less silent. It definitely didn't smell good. They're in a stable, guys. If you look at it, and you go back and you look, it was actually a cave. I've been to the cave. I've been there. It's amazing to see. Had, had the baby in a, in a stable. My point is this. None of that deterred her from desiring to do God's will. At any point, she could have looked at God, she could have looked at the angel and said this, I'm done. Take it from me, I can't do this, God. And you know what? Each and every one of us have probably said those words. God, my marriage is strained today. Take it from me. God, my finances don't line up. Take it from me. God, this is too scary for me. Take it from me. God, I can't do this. Take it from me. But she kicked fear in the face by will, being willing to pay to play because she knew the reward on the other side of the ridicule was going to be greater than the trial and the, and the tribulation that she was going through today. It didn't matter how many camels she had to ride on the back of. It didn't matter how many stables she had to get through. To, she was going to pay to play the game. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. Oftentimes in our relationship with God, and maybe you've never had one, but maybe you have. And the truth of the matter is, many times in our relationship with God, we expect God to just lay everything in our lap. Every finance, every opportunity, every person, everything. We shouldn't have to work for it, God. It's yours. Just put it in my lap. I don't have to work for it. Can I tell you, if you ever do anything significant for the kingdom of God, you will always have to pay to play. 
You will always be fearful. And I will tell you this. If the vision God has given you in your life does not intimidate you, it's not from God. Come on. God, I'm telling you. Here's why I know that. Because God will put you in situations to where you have to lean on Him heavier than you ever have before every time you try to follow God. Every time. Pastor Travis and I are praying through some things about 2019 right now that you'll hear about later on down the road. But our job is to look years down the road and begin praying today. And here's what I told him this week. I said, Pastor Travis, I'm telling you right now, I've, I have not had this much anxiety about decisions in a long time. And then I paused and I looked at him and I, I've told Megan this, but that's good because that probably means we're on the right path to doing something big for God. You know what I'm saying? It's going to cause some intimidation. And the last thing, the last thing, and I'm going to let you go, is she trusted God. She trusted God. She desired to do God's will. She was willing to pay to play. And then she trusted God's words. Didn't matter what anybody else was going to say. It didn't matter what happened. She was willing to do whatever she had to do to get where she needed to go. Can we look at Romans 10, 17 for just a second? Because there's a very important scripture in here that you need to know about faith. And it says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Listen, many times our prayer is God, tell me what I need to do to make the biggest impact possible in this world for the kingdom of God. But we never stop and listen to his voice and we never pick up to the words that he's already written. You wanna know what God's wanting you to do in your life? Pick up what he's already said. You want to know what he's saying to you? Stop bringing him a Santa Claus list of things. And be quiet for a few minutes. And just say, hey God, can you talk to me? I've been challenging myself in my prayer life this way. I've been saying, Brandon, why don't you just begin declaring what God's already done instead of asking God to do what you want done? But the only way that I'm ever confident in what God's already done is I got to know what he's already said. It says faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Through prayer and through the Bible. I had a mentor of mine, I, I pay every month to be in a coaching group with one of the greatest preachers and influencers in, in the country, in Oklahoma, and, and it's an honor to get to sit and, and listen to his wisdom every month. And, have access to him. We were texting this week. I tell him all the time that he could walk into a store and say, hey, what's up? And it's the most wise words we've ever heard in our life. He just has that anointing on his life. And he told me this one time. He said, Brandon, son, bud. He calls me bud all the time. He said, bud, when God tells you to do something, you better go before your mind talks you out of it. Because I'm here to tell you something. God's word will speak but our mind will try to make it happen the way that we know how. And then our mind will go, you can't afford that. You can't do that. That's gonna stretch you past your capacity. Can I tell you, your current capacity is not your always capacity. You have the decision to stretch your capacity greater than it's ever been before, but it's not a decision anybody else can make but you. 
If you won't stay up later and you won't go to bed earlier, if you won't get up earlier in the morning and you won't read the books and you won't pray the prayers and you won't read the scriptures and you won't do what you got to do, you won't fast and pray, your capacity won't grow. It'll just stay there and then you'll find yourself saying this, well, I just don't have the time. Yeah, you do. We all have the same 24 hours in every single day. It's how we prioritize them. Come on. Anybody challenged today? We got to kick fear in the face. Luke 1, 45 in my closing verse. And blessed is she, she was talking to Mary, uh, Elizabeth here, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Can I tell you the greatest way to kick fear in the face? Let's just say you have a desire to do God's will. Let's just say in you, you're not just speaking the words of, hey, God, I'll do whatever it takes, but you're actually trying to live it, right? So you're willing to pay to play. Can I tell you the the key, the magic sauce to it all is this. Whatever he says, believe it. His, vo- his word never returns void. So if you gave your life to Christ and you heard Jesus tell you, you heard God in your spirit tell you, you're going to do this. This is the kind of mother. This is the kind of father. This is the kind of leader. This is the kind of thing that you're going to do in your life. Can I tell you something? If you'll dare to believe what God tells you, it will change everything about the trajectory and the rest of your life because nothing about fear can talk you out of what God has spoken in. It's not going to happen until you believe it. She was blessed. And she wasn't blessed because of anything other than this. She believed what God said. Some of you know this in your heart. There's friends, there's family, and there's coworkers in your life where God has said they're going to accept me into their life and their life will be changed forever. Can I tell you that may hinge on your prayer, your invite, and your love. The way I love somebody, their salvation may hinge on it today. That's truth, man, because there's power in everything that we do. So I want to ask you this question. Are you, am I, are we allowing fear to ruin our faith? Like, listen, it's okay, because a lot of times at this portion of service, we're like, yeah, you're not alone. Because in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to do something to kick fear in the face. We're not doing a karate move. But what I am going to ask you to do once we close our eyes, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet in a, in a symbolic way to look at the devil and tell the devil, you're trying to make me scared. You're trying to intimidate me. You're trying to put fear in my heart. But I'm standing on the rock of Jesus Christ today to tell you that I believe what he has spoken and not what you're trying to convince me of. And I will stand and I will pray and I will say, fear, you have no place in my life. If that's you today, if that's you, Congratulations, you're in the right place. Because this Christmas, you don't have to go back through it with anxiety and fear again. Would you just bow your heads with me today? Two questions. One, if you're in the room and you need to pray the prayer of salvation, you've never prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into your life to be changed forever, to live a new life forever. We've got some folks getting ready to greet you on the way out. But in this moment, if that's you and you're ready for that, Can I ask you to hold your hand really, really high in the air today so that we can, as a family, pray the prayer of salvation with you? Come on, anybody else? There's one hand up. Anybody else in the room? Amen. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Everybody, pray with me this because we pray as a family. If your hand is up, hold it up. You're going to feel a clipboard. 
slide in your hand because we want to walk this journey with you. But to do that, we need some information. But I want you to pray with me. Everybody just say this. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for sacrifice. And thank you for loving me. Thank you for bringing me into the family of God today. Come on, church, say that. Thank you for bringing me into the family of God today. Walk with me and love me as I love you. I'll try my hardest, but I will always follow you. Thank you for new life today. Now, if you're in the room and fear has ruined your faith for far too long and you're ready to do something about it, I wanna ask you to take a bold step and stand to your feet right where you are, right in your row, right in your seat, standing next, sitting next to whoever you're next to. Just go ahead and stand to your feet right now. There's people all over the room beginning to stand in this moment saying that fear will no longer hinder me. Fear will no longer ruin my faith. Fear will no longer ruin my salvation. Fear will no longer ruin the plan that God has for me. Lord, right now, there are people standing all over the room. I pray that a boldness from the Spirit of God would rise up from deep in their spirit and would come out of them. God, fear has no place with you. In fact, you say that in your presence, we are comforted. In your presence, we are bold. In your presence, we are okay. And today, I pray that the Spirit of God would give us a boldness to say, fear, you have no place in my life. We will do what we have to do to desire to do God's will. We will pay to play and we will trust you no matter what, God. Enemy, we're here to tell you what you've been trying to convince us of is not true. It is not a reality and it will not define us. We will move forward with you today. Now, if everybody would stand to your feet as we close, Father, we honor you. We worship you. And we praise you with everything we have. You're changing our lives today in your name. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church Podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.